May I ask you, what is the most fulfilling that thing that ever happened to you or that you ever accomplished? What's the most fulfilling thing that ever occurred to you or that you accomplished? Was it graduating from college? Is it the career that you're in? What's the most fulfilling thing that has ever happened to you in your life? Was it raising children? Was it a promotion at work? What was it? Many pounds ago and many years ago, the Euclid Cross Country team trained at what's called Highland Hill. Now, Euclid's on the shores of Lake Erie, the Lake Erie Plains, and then there's hills that begin the Appalachian Mountains. And we run up a half a mile hill five times, and if it was a clear day in September and October, we could see the shoreline of Canada. And that was our training. Up the hill five times, jog back down, run back up it, slowest guy to the fastest guy, 50-yard intervals. And I remember one of these training events, and we did that about once a week on Highland Hill, running up the hill, gasping for breath with my eggs, with my, sorry, with my legs like rubber, and the coach said, you guys can either be happy or you can be fulfilled. You know what he was telling us? You can be happy with life or you can be fulfilled and work hard and try to accomplish your dreams and your goals. I want to ask you, are you happy or satisfied? Are you happy with short-term stuff or are you satisfied with your life? Being satisfied many times deals with long-term goals and dreams and accomplishments. What's been the most satisfying or fulfilling thing in your life? Was the promotion that you worked years at? I think about Cassidy. Cassidy, how many years have you been training? How many years of education, your internship, to get to this day that we get to install you as a called church worker years? You see, many times satisfaction and fulfillment comes from years of hard work and dedication to get to that point. Can you relate to that? Being fulfilled after many years of work and dedication and sacrifice? July 23rd begins the Summer Olympics. Do you know where they're at? Tokyo, I want to make sure that you're listening. And there, we're going to see people put to the test a lifetime of sacrifice. Their goal isn't to be happy. Their goal is to be satisfied. If you're an Olympic gymnast, you begin training at the age of two or three. Do you know which American athlete has won the most Olympic medals ever? Do you know his name? Michael in high school and college, he wasn't that great of an athlete, seriously. But he trained diligently. He had a certain regiment of calories that he ate. He learned how to stretch and do muscle exercises. He was so dedicated, he counted the strokes from one wall to the other wall. Hence, he won a couple gold medals simply by knowing where his arm was. His fingertips were able to touch the wall before anybody else was. He understood what it meant to sacrifice and to be satisfied and fulfilled. It was his training and his dedication. Just not happiness, but being fulfilled. So St. Paul, the former Saul who persecuted Christians, I think he understood this as well. Can you read this verse with me? Forgetting what is behind, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. St. Paul understood his mission He understood that he's there to fulfill his mission to win others for Christ. He ran that race. And at the end of the life, I think we could say he was fulfilled because this is what he wrote. Do you hear it? Read it with me. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There in store for me the crown of righteousness. St. Paul could say at the end of his life, I am fulfilled. I did my mission to work hard, to grow the kingdom of God, and to win others for Christ. Do you know how St. Paul died? In 64 AD, under Nero, he was beheaded for being an enemy of the state. Yet he lived a martyr fulfilled for what he did. You see, I see our lives like this. I see our lives like a thousand-piece puzzle set. You ever put together a puzzle? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, first of all, you have, you have the puzzle box over here with the picture. Then you got all the puzzle pieces. You put them over there. Then you sort of organize the edge, right? You sort of organize the, the puzzle pieces into pictures and where you think what you go where. And then you look at the picture and you start putting it together. You always look back at the picture and you put it together and fit in the pieces, right? And that's how a lot of us live our lives. You see, I have this picture of how my life is to be, no matter what age or what state of my life I'm in. I have a picture of what it's to be, and I put together the puzzle pieces as best as I can be. Or maybe we see life as an embroidery. In every event or step in my life, there's a stitch that's being added. I mean, for my family and I, we'll become empty nesters in about two weeks. My daughter accepted a position up in Lansing, Michigan. My son's going to be a naturalist in Missouri. And that's another stitch in my wife and I's life. And so we see life as stitches in an embroidery, and hopefully it's going to be as beautiful as we hope. And hopefully, just like the puzzle, we have a picture of how the puzzle piece should be, how the puzzle should be, and we put the pieces together. But you and I all know the truth. The problem is when the puzzle pieces don't fit. Somebody gets sick. I get laid off. I have loved ones who don't want to talk to me anymore. My job's not as good as I thought it would be. I'm not getting the promotion. I didn't make it into the grad school I wanted. Someone's upset with me. Things aren't going quite well in my life, and my puzzle isn't fit together, fitting together as much as I'd liked. The embroidery stitches just don't seem to be working out, even though I can't see how it looks. And many times you and I, and I know for a fact we can all relate, that things just didn't work out how I hoped. The world just isn't what I thought it would be, and my life isn't everything how I hoped it would be. And we live with that frustration. We say, why, God? My life stinks. Why? I don't understand it. My puzzle pieces aren't together. Something bad happened to me. I went through a tragedy. I'm going through some pain. This job isn't everything. It's cracked up to be. Neither are my relationships. What St. Paul speaks to us today, he asks us to turn our head from this world to look at what God has to say to us. He gives us a gospel of being fulfilled. And this just isn't some short-term plan. This is something from eternity to eternity. This is life with a grand big picture that comes from the Almighty. Can you read this with me? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And St. Paul says to us, I really don't care how your life and your puzzle piece is going, but I want you to understand what God has done and is doing for you and God's plan for you. The first thing that St. Paul does is he points us into eternal past. Even before God created the world. Our minds are going to have to stretch. Even before God thought about making the world, even before the words in the beginning, way into eternity, things our minds can't fathom what happened. 
God chose us before the creation of the world. I'm not sure what you're saying. Well, before God began to create the world, God chose you and I. He knew you and I before he created the world. And he chose us. He predestined us. And by the way, this is only for those of us who are being saved. And this is going to sound very odd, but don't try to tie up the pieces. Don't try to bring this to a logical conclusion because it just don't work. And don't ask the difficult questions. It's simply there for us to believe. And St. Paul says this, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his will and pleasure. What Paul's saying to us, if you believe, it's because God predestined you to believe. Don't ask how and why, and don't ask about others. That is not our prerogative or our right. If you're a Christian, it's because God chose you and predestined you and I to be that way. Don't ask any other questions. That's just how it is. God wants all to be saved. In the eternal past, in the big picture, God called us, God chose us, and God predestined us to be his people. And then, now let's go to the distant past. Something we can relate to 2,000 years ago. Can you read this with me? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. In the near past, Christ died for us to put into effect when the time has reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. In the distant past, Christ died for each of us. What do I mean by that? Well, he redeemed us. He bought us sinners back. He bought us back that we might be his children. The gospel is Christ's work, not ours. We had nothing to do with it. He's the one who bought us back. Twelve times we hear God's plan of salvation through Christ, and there is no fear or uncertainty of our salvation. I want to ask you now, if you were to die tonight, do any of you here doubt that you would be in heaven? Do you ever, any of you wonder, I'm not sure I'm going to be in heaven or not. I would hope that's no one here. Nobody here thinks, I hope I'm going to be in heaven, I'm not sure. We know that we will be in heaven because Christ died for us. That is our certainty. And to put into effect when time has reached your fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. In the distant past, Christ died and rose for us to bring things into fulfillment. And I want to talk about the now. What do I mean by that? July 11th. 2021. I want to talk about the now. And you were also included when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. What happened? God who chose and predestined us in the past, Christ who died for us in a distant past, not becomes real. How? Because you and I became believers when we first heard the word or when the water of baptism was poured on our head. In real time, water was placed on your head. You don't remember it, but your loved ones do. Your parents do. Your godparents do. In real time, water was placed on your heads, and you were baptized, and in real time, you received that blessing. In real time, your ears heard the gospel. When's the first time you actually heard that Jesus died and rose for your sin? 
Were you in Sunday school class? Were you in a school class? Did someone tell you across the table? Did your parents tell it to you? When's the first time that your ears heard that Jesus died for you? In real time, you heard the gospel and believed and fulfilled God's plan. The blueprint is now completed. My wife and I were making some home improvements, and so we're getting estimates. We got estimates, and we had a plan of what we want to do, and we have an order of how things are getting done. And so we sort of pull the trigger. We have a list of five things we want to do. We got the estimates. We have the construction workers. We know it needs to be done, and then we start pulling the trigger. Can you put this in now? Can you do this for us now? We want to replace this now. The blueprint for you and I to hear the gospel, to believe the gospel, and to be baptized, and to believe, that's a fulfillment of God's plan for us. And by the way, the seal is proof. Your baptism is proof. Your faith is proof that God called you. Finally, I want to talk about the now and the eternal future. Once again, the big picture. In eternity, God chose us and predestined us. In the distant past, Jesus died for us. Now we heard the gospel and baptized and believe. And then what about the eternal future? What about now and the eternal future? Well, this is what Paul says. Can you read it with me? Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's inheritance. So we believers have an inheritance in heaven. It's guaranteed. I like it like this. Wouldn't it be pretty cool to win the Powerball ticket? When you go to the gas station, you buy the numbers, and they call out the numbers, and you find that you have a winning Powerball ticket, and you confirm it, and you get the paper, and you confirm the numbers, and you carry it around with your wallet. The money is yours. You don't have it yet. You doubled and tripled, checked the numbers, and the numbers are real, and you have a winning Powerball ticket. The only thing you need to do is take it and cash it in. That's sort of like heaven. Heaven is ours today, even though we're not experiencing it. It's still ours today. I'm not here to brag. I'm not here to boast. But I had a salesman in one of my former congregations, and he heard I was going to Florida, and he said, wait right there. He brought out for me, true story, he said, I have five four-day hopper passes to Disney, and they're timeless. Do you want them? Of course. My family and I, five four-day hopper passes, five four-day hopper passes to Disney, and it's what? Timeless. It never runs out. Other Disney tickets will run out. These won't. They're a special time they're made. All with different characters, you know, Pluto and um, Goofy and Mickey and all that stuff. You see, friends in Christ, you and I are salvation. We're guaranteed that in Christ. We have it now even though we're not experiencing it. So what's the big picture for us? God chose us, predestined us in eternity. In the distant past, Jesus died for us. In the now, we heard the gospel, we're baptized, we believe. Then we await what we have, heaven. That's a big picture. Because at times, our puzzle piece doesn't fit together. Our hope is fulfillment in Christ, not fulfillment in this world. St. Augustine said this, all of us have a hole in our heart that only Christ can fill. The world can't. Stuff and pleasures and popularity can never fill that hole. I always want more. I'm never going to be satisfied. Only God fills the heart. C.S. Lewis says this, we all have an engine that we run on. Only the gospel of Christ is a fuel that runs that engine. 
Our fulfillment is in Christ, not fulfillment in the world. God's promise is fulfillment of his plan for all of us. The world brings short-term happiness that fades. Christ brings eternal joy and fulfillment. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you read it with me? Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And all God's people say, Amen.